If your spider plant is looking peaky and that Venus flytrap you bought just kicked the bucket, you need On The Ledge, the podcast about indoor gardening where you learn everything you need to know to keep your house plants looking lush. I'm Jane Perone. Join me and a host of wonderful guests to chat all things houseplants at On The Ledge Podcast. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm your host for the day, Joe Chung. Sean is off having fun, but we've got Ian Snyder here to replace him along with Mark. Ian's going to be talking to us about his most recent trip to Mexico, and I learned what a cenote is. And then after that, we're going to talk about some disturbing news that broke about Airbnb this week. And then we'll finish up with Amex going Oprah on giving out people bonus points. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or you can check us out on mtmpodcast.com. If you could leave us a positive review, we'd really appreciate it. It would really help the podcast out. If you're looking to dive deeper into the world of Miles and Points, check out Miles to Memories Patreon at patreon.com slash miles to memories. For $10 a month, you receive bonus content, access to private Facebook and Discord communities, and a chance to go to the quarterly meetups, the first of which is in August. All right, that's it for the intro. Let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I am not Sean Coomer, founder of Miles to Memories. I am Joe, producer of this fine podcast. Sean is off riding roller coasters or on his way back from riding roller coasters. As Mark said in our private chat, I don't really know. I don't pay attention. I don't care, which... I, I kind of, you know, Sean's at theme parks all the time. It's uh, yeah. hard hard to keep track. But Mark, he how are you doing today? He goes to all these like weird in the middle of cornfield roller coaster things because, you know, coaster people keep track of which roller coasters they've ridden and how many and all that. So they call it all these off the beaten path stuff. I think he hit Six Flags in Jersey, which is a really good park. I think I'm pretty sure he hit that on this trip, but I don't know what else. He might have gone back to the American Dream Mall or whatever I that's already... called. The oh, trashy man, mall. That, that the mall trash. that he trashed, I should the say. The one in Jersey? Yeah. Yes. It was supposed to be like, that has like a ski hill and everything. And when he went, there was like two things open after 12 years of them building it or whatever. And then, and then a pandemic happened. By the way, that beautiful voice you heard is Ian Snyder, writer for the site. Ian, if people are not familiar with their work, which shame on them, but if not, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and welcome back to the podcast? Thanks, Joe. Um, yeah, I've written for Miles Memories for what? Almost two years now, I think. Been a little less this year. Been a little behind getting stuff out, getting content out. But I also blog at uh, Travel Update, also in Boarding Area, and write for a couple other outlets on just a much smaller basis. So, but yeah, I enjoy the crew at Miles Memories. Ian's the Virgin Atlantic of uh, travel bloggers. He's he he <laughs> mingles with everybody. Nice. I, I try to. I try to. Not everybody. Well, thank you for joining us, filling in for Sean. Thanks for having me. It was kind of like last minute, and I know you're in the middle of work day, so appreciate it. Hey, it's a pretty light Monday, so this worked out real nicely. What do you mean? It's Prime Day. Prime Day. Okay, aside from that. (laughs) With Prime Prime Day, you know, it's always a big, uh, busy day uh, on the site because we cover all the deals and everything, and it'll be done by the time this is released, but we appreciate everybody that used uh, our Amazon link to support the site, the podcast, all that. So thank you very much. Did you guys buy anything? I know buyers groups, a couple friends had said, like, they basically want everything. So they're just buying, like, nonstop this, that, AirPods, uh, AirPods, iPads, computers, TVs, kind of crazy stuff. So 
I know you said before we started recording or when we were live in the chat, Ian, that you're buying quite a bit when you had time. Yeah, I did a flurry of buying for the one uh, buyer's group that I'm a part of. And I got a bunch of emails this morning and saw them. I think I did one from my house and then was just like, oh my goodness, I can't keep things straight. I got to just eat breakfast and get out the door. And so between a call I had earlier and, and, and now I just did as much as I could and just... This, the things that were remaining, but there were so many deals. There was like prime, by the time was I that, got up the list, it was like prime deal 30. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is was that Was that your first breakfast or your second breakfast? Because I don't know if people know this, that you eat two breakfasts many days. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like our sons, Mark. <laughs> yeah. No, they just don't stop eating. As soon as they're done with lunch, can I have a snack? Dude, you just ate like a whole meal. That's yeah, just kids. That's yeah. just kids. Yeah. No. Oh, but he loves to send us pictures of bre- like, oh, breakfast. You get up at like five thirty, eat, and then you're like, I have to have another one at like seven thirty eight. I'm hungry. Well, that's again. just lunch. Lunch happens at like eleven. That's just lunchtime. So, <laughs> but I do have issues if I eat too early in the evening, I'll end up hungry again. So I wish we could do four meals a day. That make a lot more sense. Maybe that's just me. Have you guys seen anything on Prime Day that's worth buying for yourself, or has it just been buyers group stuff? Nope. I've, I've done like a little bit, but. Yeah, I, I don't do buyer's groups, so I bought a couple things. I bought a Bose 360 outdoor portable speaker thing for when we're up by the campfire and everything. So that was, I think it was, it's normally like 200 bucks. It was like 129 bucks. And then I had the city thank you points, $20 off offer. So I got it down to like $109, which was good. Got the kids each 10-inch tablets, Amazon tablets, which were 80 bucks normally, like 150 or something like that. So that will be for their birthday because they have the old school when they used to sell tablets for like 15 bucks. They have those old seven inch slower ones. So I think they'll like these and use these. And then I got my son. He's big into, uh, we got him snorkel for the lake and a mask and everything. But I got one of those like futuristic looking face masks that's like the full face with the snorkel attached. So I'm curious to see if he'll like that and how that will work. But I almost got one for myself too, but I'd look weird. <laughs> Greg from uh, Disney Hacks is in the chat and says two months of Paramount Plus for 99 cents a month is the only thing he's seen so far. That's pretty good. That actually came out a couple of days before. So, yeah, that's a good. There's a ton of channels that you could go for that offer the same deal. So definitely take advantage of it. Set a reminder if you just want to take advantage of the two months to cancel because they will bill you. So. And uh, speaking of Miles to Memories related plugs, I wanted to give... Mark, you and Sean, shout out. As uh, Sean has been saying, you guys just hit 20,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel for Miles to Memories Vegas. And, you know, you're going to be doing something special in celebration of that with uh, Travel Fanboy and Bethany Walsh. It sounds like a real party. You want to tell us what's going on? Yeah, Wednesday, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to do a live stream, which will be kind of our, the first part will be our weekly MTM Vegas, like, news show, and then just me and Sean talking about Vegas and how we got into it and, you know, when he moved there and our our backstories uh, for Vegas and be live chat going on during it. And then uh, Bethany will join us, which will kind of kick off a new show that we're going to be doing with her, which is a once a month happy hour, just you know, podcast type of thing, uh, talking about Vegas stories, having fun. And then uh, Adam from Trail Fanboy will join in on the last half hour and we'll uh, go back and forth debating East versus West uh, strip, which side's better uh, type of thing. So it should be a fun talk and hopefully everybody can join in and stop by during that time frame whenever you have time. Uh, should be fun. Lots of drinks, lots of laughs. How Ian, I'm, su- I'm surprised you're not invited 
being the Vegas lover and Vegas aficionado, the true, <laughs> the true Vegas expert on the Mouse Memories team. Ian Snyder always in Vegas. You know, what are you taking, Ian? East or west side of the strip? Where's the coin I can flip? <laughs> Funny thing and for is those of you who don't know the context, Ian straight up hates Las Vegas, but he's there like seven times a year. So, yeah. and, three, it, and I'm going, and, and I'm going, I'm going uh, for Resorts World opening uh, this week. Well, early next week, and Ian's like, "Well, I might, I might come out and stop by and say hi." I'm not gonna go for any other reason aside to see, aside from seeing you and Sean and Bethany. So. This is how degenerates justify themselves. They're like, oh, no, yeah, I'm just going to see my friends. Yeah, that's that's why I'm taking my ninth <laughs> Thanks, trip Joe. to Vegas. So anyway, Ian, you are a degenerate, but not Vegas-wise. You are a degenerate travel-wise because you are probably top two most traveled writers on the Miles to Memories team. You know, I think you and Ryan are always vying for that spot. But you know, you've been traveling recently, so we want to talk a little bit about it. So can you just tell us about, you know, the most recent trip that you came off of? I can, but first I think you threw Sean out because Sean is far more traveled than me. Not in the think, last year, though. You were right <laughs> yeah, in the last year. Last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. I made a quick trip to Mexico at the end. I actually made two trips to Mexico, but I just really want to talk about one of them. One to Merida and then the other one to Mexico City. And the one to Merida, Merida and the Yucatan is the one that I really enjoyed. And that was the end of April. Kind of the whole reason I went was because due to COVID-19, I got stuck with a Aeromexico voucher from an error fair that I'd booked back in early 2020 that subsequently got canceled. And it wasn't just an Aeromexico voucher. It was a voucher through Chase Travel that I had to use on Aeromexico, which complicated Ooh, bad news. <laughs> even more. So <laughs> the urge to just get it past me and use it for something or it was either going to be do that or just write it off as a loss of 85,000 ultimate rewards point or less than that, but still like a lot of UR points. So I decided, you know what, I can use it for these two trips. And after probably cumulatively four hours on the phone and multiple issues, one of which I will talk about later, um, I ended up planning both of these, but um, they turned out well, spent a couple of days in Mexico City and, and then also a few days in Merida and had a great time. Yeah, that's the Ian fly to Europe and spend two days on the ground and fly home back to California. So the, so a few days in Mexico is actually like uh, longer than you would expect for you. <laughs> I guess compared to 48 hours in Helsinki and a couple other trips I've done. Yeah, so I mean, we don't want to beat this drum too hard, but American Airlines had issues this past weekend, Southwest last week, calling Chase Travels an issue, calling Delta three hour wait. So that's something that you're dealing with. And then when you add in booking through, you know, a third party like Chase or Amex or something like that, it's just more hoops to jump through. So not a surprise that you got stuck four hours trying to figure everything out, but glad it ended up working out. What was like the main highlight of the trip or what were what were your goals when you when you kind of forced book this thing? My pick of Merida in the Yucatan was to, to basically just, in, it's a place I looked at for a while as, as um, a destination in Mexico I wanted to visit. I'd only been to Baja previously, Baja Norte, so I'm just fairly close to California home. And it just had appealed for a while, been on the travel radar, and I didn't have any immediate plans to go, but um, thought, hey, if I'm gonna burn this, I can just do a solo few days down there and uh, just 
see Mexico and enjoy enjoy a new city, new place. I really liked the trip a lot. Um, I saw less of the city than I had kind of expected, but um, that's pretty typical for for the Yucatan, at least in some people's book, because there's a lot of a lot of day trips you can take outside the city. And so I focused pretty much two full days on seeing some Mayan ruins, going to swimming in some cenotes and the food and speaking Spanish, which I, I really enjoy just getting out because I'm not fluent, but I, I can manage pretty well and um, always enjoy getting out and conversing with people. I had a great conversation with the taxi driver and the restaurants and stuff like that. Where'd you end up staying? Did you use point, book a points I hotel? Did. Or? I stayed at the Hyatt Regency. There's one Hyatt. It's a category one and um, it's just winning. Totally winning. Um, <laughs> The Regency Club was closed still due to COVID. Occupancy was still down, but staff were super welcoming. And it's about a mile north of the city center, so it's not too far away from, from everything. It's one block off of Paseo de Montejo, which is like this main tree-lined boulevard that um, spans most of a mile, I guess, back toward the city center. So it's a nice walk, especially when it's 95 degrees out and the sun's beating down. You actually have trees for shade. There's some really cool buildings, the cool architecture, a couple are open for as museums. And uh, once I went to one of those, but like I said, I spent more time out in you know, renting a car and just driving and spent more time outside the city. And for those of us who don't have like every single airport code in the world memorized, how like what airport does one fly to to get to where you went? You know, what is and is it like someplace where there's a lot of direct flights from the U.S. or is it tough to get to? Did you end up flying Aeromexico still with Chase Travel or did you book with someone else? Sorry, I know that's like six questions at once, but I know you can handle it. You're a pro. <laughs> so kind of working backwards, I did have to book Aeromexico still. They, would, they wouldn't let me change airline. I was glad they let me change destination because before I was originally going to go to um, Sao Paulo in Brazil, okay. I booked a $800-ish business class round trip that was available as sort of an airfare early last year. Um, and that was the voucher I got stuck with. So, um, so I booked the Aeromexico, which means flying from San Francisco via Mexico City to Merida. And um, you don't really have a lot of direct options out of the US. I'd previously seen options from, I think, Houston on United. I believe Delta flies into Merida as well. And I think, I would assume American does. I don't know that though. I would guess out of Miami, but that's total, total guess. I know United does. And Aeromexico obviously does too. So, and I probably forgot the rest of your questions. Joe. <laughs> I was going to say, Joe, you got <laughs> Don't worry. So did I. <laughs> the airport code. Airport code is MID mid. And they have an airport is real close to town. It's probably 15 minute taxi ride. So that's the best one to get there. If you want to see some of the Mayan ruins, you fly either into some of the most famous ones. So Chichen Itza, um, either fly into Merida or fly into Cancun. Some others are still closer to Merida, like Ushmal is is on that side. So I'd suggest Merida over Cancun. I like the way you say Cancun. Just say, just say Cancun. Look, he's, uh, he probably says Barcelona. So, you know, what are you going to do? I know. It's, uh, yeah, that's a yes. Just, that's a yes. Yeah. He definitely says Barcelona. He gets into it. I like it. I, um, when I was in Barcelona... I didn't get picked American, and I and I loved it. The lady did not could did, could not figure out where I was from because of the accent. I was this is perfect. She thought I was from Italy. I'm like, good. I do not sound like an American. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> we're we're proud Goals. of you. Life goal. We're, we're proud of you. We're proud. So of what you. Uh, what was your? Uh, I know you had one big day trip that you uh, were looking forward to. I think you rode like a cart and a horse or out to it. Or... <laughs> I did. <laughs> And then uh, they had some interesting rocks, and uh, you went swimming. And 
a boodle. <laughs> so why don't you give us like the breakdown of that? How much it cost? What what was like the main the highlight of the trip kind of thing? Yeah, so that day trip was visiting the cenotes, which are uh, limestone caves that are uh, usually have a water water pool in the bottom. The geology is basically there. There's a ring of them around around Merida, which probably about half an hour out to the south, southwest, southeast. And best they can tell, it's where an asteroid hit the Earth a long time ago. And this, there's an, it's kind of a ring, it's a ring of cenotes at that point. But now there's these uh, limestone sinkholes, caverns, essentially. I wouldn't call them true caverns, but um, so right close to the surface, often cave in. People have made staircases down into them or ladders, and they let you climb down in and swim in them. And it is super cool because you're up, you're looking at cave geology and seeing stalactite stalagmites and and you can get and enjoy swimming in these. And um, I went to two of them. I went to a uh, three cenotes at Chuncanan, which is um, tiny little town, uh, kind of off the beaten path. But I've I found it recommended. And yeah, you set off on a it's essentially a rail cart pulled by a pony driver drives you out to cenotes and um, you get about half an hour each the first two if you wanted to swim in those and then there's a bigger one which is much nicer at this location he takes you to that one i went down a swim he took a nap and there's no one else there which is really cool oh you messed up you should have said siesta come on i did mess up he took a siesta But yeah, the um, the first two here though, um, they were super cool because they're really natural. Like the the cave's really natural. There are stairs kind of built down into them, and, and one there's a ladder all the way down into it. But since I was the only one, at first they were the first one was almost pitch dark, and I'm like, I'm not going to jump in this water the bottom of this. Sounds like the how the descent myself. movie was made. <laughs> have you ever seen that? Have you seen no. that, Joe? Joe, have you seen it? Oh man, they go and they, they go like cave exploring, and there's these people that ended up like living there, and then they turn into these like animal type of things, and it gets dark and scary. So good movie, though. I mean, if you were on the live stream right now, you would see that Ian has turned into such an animal. But if you're just listening to the audio <laughs> version, then you say it. so what was the what was the water temp like though? Was it pretty cold or? Uh, they're cool. It's it's like totally swimmable for me, and I don't like cold water but it's definitely not warm but it's if we're giving this warm out outside it was in the 90s that day it was comfortable and they're not very deep so you're not talking like deep reservoir of cold cold water down in the in the ground so it's it's comfortable it's it's it's, it's refreshing so it's good so the first one i got in i just kind of sat in it and I sat there and then all of a sudden the lights kicked on i was like oh so i guess they have a generator and i kind of heard it faintly in the distance that they they turn the lights on for you for the first two because i'm like this is just gonna be terrible i'm like the bottom of a dark hole sitting in the water it's kind of cool looking at the rocks what i can see with a little bit of sunlight coming in but um so lights lights came in i walked around the cave a little more and then i jumped i i, I didn't get quite all the way it's not very big um, but then i just packed up and, and headed out the other one was a short walk from there, so I walked over the next next cenote, and and that one you climb down a little staircase. The it's a very small hole to get into it. It's maybe I don't know six feet by four feet. Kind of got to get duck into the duck in into the stairs leading down into it, and then you climb down a ladder, and you're sitting and I'm sitting down here, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is creepy. Like, it looks really cool. The and the geology. Except for one rock, looks really cool. <laughs> one might, some might the say rock that's to the, the fertility god, the fertility some, god rock. Some might say that's the coolest rock, but yes, continue. 
So we're, I'm sitting there and I, I sit on this platform. I'm dangling my feet off of it, kind of up to my neck in the water. It was a really good setup. So I'm just enjoying it. But I'm trying to get up the gumption to, to swim across the, the cave and just maybe, I don't know, 30 feet, 10 meters across. And I just want to they have a rope even. But it looks, this one looks so deep. Like I'm, I'm staring down into blackness below me. And I thought, before I before arriving, I thought, this, this sounds like such a cool idea. I want to go swim in these things. But all of a sudden, I'm in the bottom of a cave by myself. I'm just having misgivings about this whole Situation. Yeah, you would you would think if they're having people swim, you would think and he would come down with in case something happens. No, nope. like there's nobody. <laughs> like yeah, they need at least one like, other person. Yeah, it's not like a group tour or anything. It's just you. It's Action Park in Mexico. That's what it is. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Mark just watched the special. Uh, watch the documentary, guys. So yes, he, if uh, you watch, if you have HBO Max. Uh, class action park watch it and it brought back childhood <laughs> memories it's bizarre what they were able to get away with and it really was like a night it was the perfect time for it to allow them to do what they did because the 90s everybody was like yeah let's just have fun and do whatever joe was there he knows i know i know definitely so, watch it i guess what i'm curious about with these cenotes which thank you for teaching me that that's not pronounced c-note but uh <laughs> that's the benjamins <laughs> yeah I got that. <laughs> when you're painting this picture, I'm wondering, is this some place where kids can go? Is, are there restrictions about who can go? Can you go by yourself without a tour guide? Like, it sounds both cool, like you say, and also kind of freaky. Who knows? Maybe there's a cave monster in these the deep depths or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So is it some place that like families go or is it just mo- mainly like an adult tourist type thing? I would absolutely be comfortable taking my kids there so um it's not something where you have an act like chunkanan you don't have an actual tour guide it's just you pay the guy it was 500 pesos for the cart you can fit four people on the cart so you, and probably you can, it's it's mexico there's gonna be no no restrictions you could probably throw a couple more people on the cart and just poor poor ponies have to pull all of you down the rail tracks and that's a fun little ride too and i know the kids kids would enjoy that but yeah i'd be comfortable taking kids down into there it's kind of a, in this case it's a self-planned um place at that location um, and the last cenote there is um, bigger and a little more the, the part that collapsed to open it up is a lot bigger and there's a staircase down into it. Um, it's a little it's a little freaky, but aside from getting the kids down into there, they'd have fun swimming in the, in the place. But um, if you're looking for more of a touristy type where things feel a little safer, because I can see where, where people might have misgivings um, and I'm probably a bit more adventurous than most in terms of what I would take my kids to do traveling. So you just drive about 20 minutes from there is another t- town called Omun. And there's a bunch of other cenote options. And I actually went there after I went to Chuncanan to um, Cenote Santa Barbara. And there's three more there. Staircases are much better condition. They make you wear a life vest. There were actually other people. It was nice as well. And one of them is one of the cenotes is really nice. You see the cool cave geology in it, a um, bunch of people swimming in it, feels a whole lot more safe. So it's kind of a con- contrast of which which experience do you want. I was glad I had both because on one hand, I was being by myself at the ones that are supernatural and not very well developed was cool in one sense. And also, if you want something that just you have a whole lot more comfort with, you can pick a place like that. And they had a whole package deal. There's like a restaurant you could just pay for access to the cenotes and lunch at the same time, either before or after. You can take the same little horse cart or you can ride a bike out there or you can just walk it. I mean, you have, you have options and it felt a whole lot more developed. But yeah, I'd be comfortable taking my kids personally to both. 
probably was, not younger than younger. Like my youngest is six. Maybe not if you have a two or three year old. What was the tourism like in the area? You know, because it's not a place that is probably a huge tourist attraction most of the time. And then travel right now and everything. So was it pretty mild or what would you see or notice? It seemed probably down a little bit, of course, due to COVID. But I also would say overall that the Yucatan seemed like there was enough people out. Most of the people in Cenotes seemed like they were from Mexico. So there's a couple other, only like two, two or three other travelers I noticed from other countries there at Cenote Santa Barbara. But that was also telling because I could tell that these, they were not, I don't know what they were speaking. One was Eastern European, Slavic language, and I don't know other one. But I was trying to pick up on who's, who's traveling here as well. The, the, uh, it's a big draw for locals that live in Mexico then? I don't know. That was kind of a guess of mine because most people are speaking Spanish, but I could be wrong in that too. That was just my perception at, okay. um, at Santa Barbara. So, And I don't know if they're that popular with locals in Merida, but maybe they are. It's, it's, an, easy, it's an easy day trip. What's funny is that the price at the developed place was actually cheaper than the cart I paid for at Chuncanan. But I guess since the driver stays with you, it made sense. It was it was a reasonable price, or I just got hosed as an American. They just see dollar signs when they see me show up. <laughs> he didn't trust your uh, accent. <laughs> the last thing you want to say is uh, on the way back, you had some issues with Chase with the booking still, even though you spent four hours earlier. What what happened on the way back? Yes. So when I booked my ticket, it was a total pain in the neck um, heading home because one of the trips I I used I used the voucher. Actually, I'm confusing things a bit here. So I used the voucher for the Merida trip and then booked the other one to Mexico City. And I had to call because they told me I had a residual credit, but it was the amount was wrong. And I had to fight with Chase over that. But that was a different issue. This issue is that the confirmation told me I had a Sunday flight out, a Thursday flight back. It's going to have three full days in the Yucatan. Problem was, somehow, either on Chase's end or, or Mexico's end, my flight ended up being a Wednesday morning flight. So... I missed my flight back and my first inkling that something was amiss was I got a cancellation notice that the segment's home had been canceled. And so oh. I thought of <laughs> But it's because I missed them. I was a no-show. But I clearly went back and looked at my email. I'm like, okay, Chase sent me the initial confirmation that says Thursday, April 29th. I could be right or wrong on the actual date, but I believe that was the that was the day, but it was like, whatever it was it said, it said Thursday. So then I had to get on the phone with Chase, try to sort it out. I did cry call him. I'm like, forget it. I'm not going to be able to sort this out. I don't know if they're going to be able to issue me anything. And I'm going to have to fight with him over the whole thing. They're going to tell me that. And I, this, this is already after the four hours dealing with getting both of these trips rebooked using the voucher. Total pain. Um, so I just broke down and bought a new ticket. Ended up paying for a round trip on the chance that I come back open, open jaw to a different Mexico, a different place in Mexico. So it wasn't much cheaper than booking a one way home and just booked that because I was like, and I've, I don't think I've had to do that to date. This is the first time where I had to essentially just rebook myself on a, on a new ticket due to an issue with, with travel agency. And I don't even, I haven't even, I haven't even wanted to fight. This is how frustrated Chase Travel has made me. I haven't even wanted to fight with them over this whole issue and try to get some points back. It was just after all the previous experience, <laughs> might not be worth it. So, <laughs> so you you rebooked a separate flight back, and you haven't even contacted them to even try to to get anything like a secure message. Nothing. You just nothing. <laughs> I might still. I've just. Uh, it's just. I ended up like before. I was frustrated. Apathy has upset. set in. <laughs> yes, it's like I'm like you know, like ugh, whatever. Yes, I spent another forty plus thousand. You are 
for the next ticket. Just, and I'm like, I, I just, I, I'm done. I'm done. I, I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't just, and just I think cashing things, cashing things out and not booking through the portal is the new, because even then I'm like, I don't want to spend this much cash on the ticket, but I don't think I want to trust booking through your portal to like, because then I'm stuck with your terms and conditions and dealing with your staff. I'd almost rather eat the plus 25%, plus 50% and not deal with Chase Travel. It's that frustrating. That's where pay yourself back is so big, I think, because you can still get the same rate, cash out your points, and then use a credit card where you'll earn extra, plus you get extra you know, insurance and all that stuff. I think a lot of people have fallen into that where they've had to cancel so many flights and fight so much that you get to a point where you're just like, eh, you know what? This one isn't worth it. It's not worth my time, my effort. You know, I know I've gotten there. I have a $350 credit that I'll never use. I'm just, whatever, it happened. It was a part of the, the game, I guess, because I'm not going to force myself to try to book something because they wouldn't give it back to me, so. Well, yeah, it's not only the game. It's also, like, just pandemic write-offs, right? Whether it's yep. hotel certificates or whatever, you know, we're just sitting on so much at some point. It's like a sunk cost, and if we keep throwing money at it. You know, I have a friend who had, like, a... Disney DVC reservation, which they can't get back because it's it's a different system or whatever. And they were realizing that like they were trying to move heaven and earth to go on that trip, but they're just going to spend so much more money by going on that trip. They might as well just eat the $500 or whatever and just move on because at some point the headache's not worth it, which I think, I think one thing I've realized over the last year is I just have a lot less patience for these things, which kind of sucks because in this case, Chase is winning, quote unquote, but at the same time, you're sanity is probably worth more than fighting for that i finally got there and i'm willing to do a lot like i love dealing with weirdo obscure award (laughs) whole times he loves whole times people (laughs) i can put the phone on and just work on a spreadsheet work on a document and stay on hold so it's nice with the work that i do being able to do that so but yeah dealing with things like turkish miles and smiles there's my plug for one of my favorite airline programs so like i'm willing to deal with some headache and so, and even, and I don't like the aspect of like, yeah, you're right, Joe, the chase is winning essentially. Like they're, they're able to just kind of, you, you give up because you don't want to battle with them anymore. And, and part of it's the principle of that, but yeah, the apathy finally set in for me where I'm, I'm normally willing to try to fight through things. This time I'm like, I don't think I'm even going to try and we're just going to just leave this. It's not, it's become not worth it. And that's the way it is. Hey everyone, Joe cutting in here to give a quick trigger warning. The next story does contain mention of sexual assault. So just want to give people a heads up. If you want to go ahead and skip this section, you can skip ahead about seven minutes. All right, back to the show. Well, thanks for sharing your trip and also your experience, uh, the good and the bad. Now, I definitely agree there are some things that are not worth fighting, but uh, our next story is about things that are happening at Airbnbs that, frankly, are unacceptable and are worth fighting. So, Mark, you want to tell us about all this money Airbnb is spending to settle some of the really messed up things that are happening in their properties? Yeah, so I actually took some notes on this because, you know, there's a lot to, to divulge. And, the and Bloomberg it's a little broke, heavy. So uh, Yeah, it's pretty heavy. Um, Bloomberg broke the story, and then Danny wrote about it on the site, you know, covered it and, and linked to them. So... Check out both those articles for more detail because they go into, uh, especially Bloomberg, goes into a lot of depth on it. But yeah, they essentially have this like black bag team of, uh, what do they call them, the internal safety team. And they hire like ex-CIA, ex-White House people that are good at cleaning up messes and, you know, traveling around the world and fixing problems and stuff. So they have 100 agents scattered across the world in major cities. 
And like when something happens, like uh, what's that George Clooney movie, uh, the Michael Clayton or something, where he's like the guy they call when uh, a client kills somebody, and he goes out and you know kind of cleans it up or makes sure they're in the best light type of thing. So that's kind of what this team is: this group of people that when something bad goes wrong, they are dispersed to the location to kind of fix it, buy plane tickets, buy hotel rooms, you know, pay for medical bills, whatever the case be. Um, and this works for, they work for the hosts as well as uh, for people, uh, customers staying. So they spend about $50 million annually just on payoffs, uh, which is pretty crazy. And one of the stories they focus on is a, a woman who was uh, sexually assaulted, who was raped in her Airbnb in New York City. She went there with, uh, rented it with some friends and it was New Year's Eve, I think. And she went back, uh, they were out, you know, celebrating. She went back before they did. And when she got back to the room, there was a guy in the room waiting and uh, assaulted her at that point. Um, and then he left and she contacted her friends and they came back and, you know, the cops came and the guy actually came back again, you know, knowing that she had friends or was staying with people and was going to try to, you know, do something again or just, you know, wanted to revisit the scene or whatever while the cops were there. So they arrested him on the site. And then this team was like launched. They came in and uh, flew. She, I think they're from Australia. So she flew her mom in put them up in a hotel, paid for the medical bills, paid for the flights home, and then they actually settled for $7 million. Now, the the really crazy thing is, you know, they rented it, they get the keys from a bodega, nobody checked their ID, and the guy had a, a spare set of keys. So maybe he rented the place before and made a copy or just, you know, went into the bodega once and figured out that they just give it to anybody that asks type of thing. So that's one thing, you you know, you're worried about. Everybody always talks about Airbnb and people are placing cameras and I'm worried about that because it's somebody's home. They have access to it or a host coming back and spying on you or doing whatever. And, you know, there's no key exchange policy. There's no set way to do it. And when you go to a hotel, you're using a a key card and then that gets wiped each time. So a new key card to open the doors where this is the same key getting used. So somebody can make a copy very easily, which is pretty scary when you think about it. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is pretty disturbing. I have been seeing the headlines over the last couple of days, but it was only this morning that I actually read the story and what it's about. And it's pretty disturbing what can happen. And I don't think we're bringing it up to be like, oh, this is like a huge warning, like red flag, whatever. But I think it is just kind of a reminder that, and I do think it's going to be compounded as travel is coming back. The theme that we keep talking about that there's going to be growing pains that, you know, we just have to be conscientious and smart about, you know, what you're booking. People should still be renting Airbnbs if they want to. I mean, it's a great service, but it's just kind of like a reminder that there's, it's a little bit more loosey goosey than a nice hotel. Not that hotels can't have problems, especially when you break their, your pipes, uh, your water pipes yeah. at, at the hotel. But it's just Airbnb, it's still like, I think it's still too young of a service to have really have ironed out all this stuff. And so it's just kind of something to bear in mind. So that's kind of uh, what that story made me think about. I think it's, it's, it's weird that they seem to be focusing more on like covering, not covering it up, you know, because they don't really, you know, try to block the news from, from releasing it. But it's just like they're focusing on keeping it out of the purview like hey let's end this before it becomes anything versus trying hey what's the key policy let's come up with a new key policy it's something i worry about renting our cottage and we only rent it to people we personally know but you know we have a lockbox. we give them the code each time i have to change that and then i worry about do i need to change the locks every so often stuff like that and 
somebody always has access to that room because it's a host. You know, they have their own key to get in. So that's something you worry about where a hotel I know employees do, but it's not their personal property. So I think people take that a different way uh, somewhat. And I will say another thing I found interesting was they say it's uh, one one hundredth of a percent or less that they have issues, you know, but you're talking millions and hundreds of millions of rentals. So 200,000 instances a year of something like this happening. Thousands of sexual assaults reported every year, but only one case has ever been filed against Airbnb. So that shows how uh, effective this uh, internal safety team is at keeping things out of the courts and all of that, which is kind of shocking. But what do you think about it, Ian? I had not read that story, but there's that many incidents, 200,000 a year. Yeah, and it's not all... Not all 200,000 are, yeah. Yeah, it's not all like assaults or anything like that, but... Like one person who shared the story in the Facebook group, she's a she was a host, and somebody flushed rib bones down their toilet, and that caused it to back. Which who would ever do that? It doesn't make any sense, but caused the toilet to back up, flooded their place, the condo unit below, fifteen thousand dollars in damage. So they have to fight with Airbnb about it and stuff. So I think that would be included in some of the incidences. I don't think they're all in the you know assault type of nature or anything like that. Uh, but okay, no, that's what I just I was kind of blowing my mind if there's that many true issues but still if it's thousands you, this i understand corporately why airbnb would want to clean it up but it seems like they should absolutely come up with a better policy for passing stuff off because i've only stayed with i've only stayed with airbnb once we had a good experience it was years ago but part of i had misgivings at the beginning because the person who said that she was the host did not show up to provide the key and that was not what i'd understood was the, the going to happen. It was just some other random dude comes up, oh, I'm going to let you into the place and here's the key. And it's just like, okay, this was not, I, the whole time I was communicating with a woman, I thought it was her place and she was, okay, obviously she's gone, but it, that whole pass off, you're right, is the, is the issue. And you're, you're left with, okay, is someone going to walk in on us? Or you, you do feel that greater security with, with a hotel versus having, having this. And, but I have people, like I have most of my coworkers that I talk to, I don't know why, but um, with the company that I work for, they all love Airbnb and that's what they do all the time and seem to prefer that to hotels. And so I know people have really good experiences. And so hopefully this is a small percentage of negative of negative ones, but um, I do agree that something could be done to really improve their process and policy about the locks. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, before Airbnb existed, like on our honeymoon when we rented an apartment on the Amalfi coast, you know, we had to call some random Italian grandmother on the cell phone. She didn't speak English. And then we just had to like wander down the down to the town square and like, just try to find her to get the key. So, you know, Airbnb has made this house rental house exchange uh, a lot cleaner and Verbo and all those companies. So, but like I said, it's just, it's still such a new service. And of course, there's a lot of corporate stuff going on as well. But I just I think it's good to be kind of aware that these things can happen and just, you know, just to protect yourself. I, the odds are super low, but, you know, always be safe. Uh, and this kind of stuff can happen at hotels, too. So, uh, you know, there's always a little bit element of risk uh, when you're traveling at all. And that's something we all take because um, we love to travel. We have to uh, close things up soon. So I'm going to move us along. But we did really want to talk very quickly just about the fact that Amex just seems to be giving away points like it's candy. It's it's Willy Wonka out here. Golden tickets for everybody. So 
I just recently got my <clears throat> business platinum card for another 150,000 points. So, you know, like I'm in the process of finishing my spending for that. Three days after I signed up for that, I got an offer on my blue business plus card to upgrade it to gold for like another 80,000, which I am probably going to pass on, but it just feels like MX is throwing these bonus offers at me left and right. And then Mark, like a lot of these are like passing the no lifetime language stuff too, right? Like what else are you seeing out there? Yeah, they, there's this new thing like expand your membership is an offer that they're throwing out there, which does have the no lifetime or doesn't have any lifetime language in it. So you're able to get around it. And I wrote about this weekend, I signed up for, I just signed up for a business gold card like six months ago. And then I got a no lifetime offer uh, to expand my membership on like my green business card. So I opened that up, got the bonus on it. And even though I'm getting the Amex pop-up, it worked, you know, the no lifetime offers get around the Amex pop-up. So I got the bonus on that. And then my green card got another expand your, or upgrade offer to a gold, which I could upgrade and get a third gold. And then this weekend it got an offer to, uh, you know, expand my membership into a blue business plus or blue business cash with 50,000 point offers. So the same card got three separate offers between upgrade and expand your membership and I could get them all, which is, it's crazy. And it does seem to be more focused on business than personal. So I don't know if they have like some quotas they need to hit or whatever, but there's a lot of stacking you can do. A lot of people are like, Hey, I already have a business gold. I can't get that. You can carry multiples of the same card if they're the no lifetime offers. So I wanted to make sure that you guys were aware of that. People worry about rat Amex rat, which is the rewards abuse team, but these don't seem to ever, you know, run into any issues. So something to keep your eye on. Um, and the offers are, you know, hundred K or above for a lot of them. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew about that. Yeah. Definitely opt in to whatever Amex emails they send you or anything, because you get a lot of great things. Mark, I hope they offer me an upgrade to a green or something like that. I, I'm like hesitating on upgrading to the business gold because I already have another business gold and I just don't want to deal with another annual fee, even though I have a <clears throat> number of business platinum cards. So, you know, I don't know. It's Do just, it. Amex is just like, you get, you get more bonus points. You get more bonus points. You get more bonus points. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know if you're seeing, you seeing anything good for yourself, Ian? I have, although I've taken nothing yet. And the main reason is right now just the annual fees, but the combination of the annual fees and their spend requirements. So the 150K for the business platinum can't, has come up in my account multiple times and it keeps tempting me. Should have got it before <laughs> Prime Day, all that spend. I know. As if That's I, what I, I'm doing. Thank I you. I wasn't thinking part. about that. If I could have gotten the instant card. This was only last week. I don't think I would have gotten a card in the mail. Maybe I would have in time. I don't know. Yeah, business platinum, no. you get it there in a day or two. No, Boom. but business right. business platinum you get you can for my last <clears throat> business platinums that I've gotten I've been able to get the card number immediately so you could do it right now Ian and you got thirty six <laughs> hours left of prime days. <laughs> I might don't tip me, Joe. That's what five ninety five in fees. So. Yeah, just get a swab too and then cash them out and pay the fee. There you go. <laughs> no, I got I got that one. And you can get your and you can get your Dell credit done in the next nine days. So oh, that's true. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah, guess 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 think. who just paid? Guess who just paid for Game Pass for the next four months? Thank you very much. So you can grow some beets or whatever on uh, Animal oh Crossing. Oh my goodness! Did you have more, Ian? No, I was just gonna say I've had a few other offers, but 
yeah, I've been very tempted. So now you guys are tempting me more. So thanks. Ian wants to end uh, this so he can go research offers and make a spreadsheet to go. figure it out. So yes. yeah, let's move on to rapid fire. I'll start it off. Yeah, um, kick it off. Yeah, first I wanted to share uh, Zoe's uh, uh, article she wrote this weekend, traveling as a solo female. She tr- she goes to a lot of countries, and most of her travel is as uh, is a solo travel. So she shares some good tips she's learned along the way, and she goes to a lot of countries that you know people a lot of people would maybe not even consider going to with a group of people. So I think she has an interesting perspective on it, um, as well as there's some good tips just as solo travel period some things to to keep your mind of so it kind of goes in themes with uh, the airbnb we talked about you know just good thoughts think you know think things through plan properly that goes a long way how about you joe quick aside i want to give a shout out to bethany last week for talking about you know how just different it is for women who are writing in this space and because of that i was looking for a zoe article myself and i found zoe also wrote an article this week about, or I don't, I'm not sure if it was this week, but it was about traveling without the internet. And I clicked on it thinking it was like how to get the internet if you don't have it. But props to Zoe because it was an article about, you know, how to make traveling without the internet work and also why that can be a beneficial experience overall, which again, thinking back to my honeymoon, we didn't have the internet on our phones. It was like so different than if we were to go back to Italy now and stay at an apartment. And, you know, I just really appreciated her perspective on how to get by without internet, but also the value of being disconnected for a while on your travels. I know you really appreciate that too, Ian, since it took you 10 hours to get back to us when we were talking about the agenda yesterday. So yeah, Ian has a Zach Morris phone. Maybe that should be his uh, rapid fire. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, after throwing you under the bus, Ian, uh, what is your rapid fire? <laughs> well, I wish I had a Zoe article, although I need to go read that one, Joe, because I'm intrigued because um, I also very much enjoy traveling without the internet. So I'm curious to see, read your thoughts on that. Um, my rapid fire, though, is a quick tease of um, an article that Mark should hopefully be uh, releasing in the next couple days. It'll write up on uh, how to fly a wide-body aircraft within the U.S. So most people are still doing domestic travel this summer and fall, uh, still with COVID-19, but um, trying to find routes where you can fly A330, 767, other larger planes on domestic routes. And it's a, um, since I am an av geek, it's, and some people also love that, especially if you can fly live flat across the country on these routes, it's a good option if you want to look at that. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Ian, for filling in for Sean. Sean, we miss you. We can't wait for you to be back next week. But Ian, if people are looking to connect with you online, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Family Flies Free. Flies, F-L-Y-S. Um, in this case, that is my travel update handle. You can also find me active in the Miles Memories Facebook group. And you can find my occasional posts at milesmemories.com. What about you, Mark? You can follow me on Twitter at Detroit Mark. Uh, comment on any of the articles, milesmemories.com. Join our Facebook groups, our Patreon group. Come to the live stream Wednesday evening if you're into Vegas or you just want to hang out and have uh, some drinks and have some laughs. It'll be a good time. And that's YouTube forward slash Miles to Memories. How about you, Joe? You can find me at As Joe Flies. Find old episodes of this podcast at mtmpodcast.com. Dot com. Eventually, I think we will start putting this on YouTube as well, so you can keep an eye out for that in the coming months. As always, we really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. If you are looking to plan a Disney vacation, uh, you can be like Ian, my number one client. I'm a travel agent. I can help you out with that. Ian, just 
we'll have to talk about this next time he comes on the podcast, but he's the biggest Disney fan in the world. Like even Disney more than Vegas. Vegas. Disney in Vegas. <laughs> so um, join Ian and thousands of other happy customers. Uh, it's no cost to you. I can help you out with that. But uh, joking aside, Ian hates Disney. Just if uh, that's not clear from the sarcasm of the voice. Man, we're going to get so and, many negative comments now. Disney and Vegas. Uh, one star and, reviews on this now. <laughs> and, uh, and he's not my client, just to be clear. But thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thank you for those who joined us live on the Miles to Memories Facebook group. Uh, please check us out there. Check us out live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Other than that, thank you so much, everyone. And we will see you and Sean next week. Goodbye. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.